your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire. Hello and welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, where we've had a a crucial week in shaping the conference title race uh, as a really silly one over in the West. I am once again Steve Braun, a.k.a. Thumposaurus, and as my usual cohort, Andrew Krzyzewski, is uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. It's my great pleasure to introduce uh, Creighton, our Iowa correspondent. How are you doing, Creighton? Hey, Steve. I'm doing pretty good. Great to be here. Yes, and we may in fact get a, you know, tradition continued here in the uh, canine interruptions department as uh, he's got himself a puppy dog, which is apparently even more startable than Andrew's poor husky. But I digress. We uh, gonna start as we usually do with uh, win, fight, try, Brewster of the week. Since there's two of us at two locations, well, let me just crack mine open here. I've got Brewworks Verbose Frenzy. Now this one swirls and blusters with an awful lot of very uh, bright flashy flavors and you know we'll, we'll tell you sweet things uh, such as how yours process results response or whatever and and it'll make a whole bunch of really beautiful noises and then it'll just uh, go down real nice and easy. Uh, mine is from Vale Brewing in Richmond. It is, I don't know if my phone's making noise, it's a fine brew called Dirt Nap um, in honor of Penn State's season officially coming to an end. Let me just crack this bad boy open. Rest in pieces. Rest in peace and pieces. And yeah, I'm going to enjoy this like I will enjoy the demise of uh, Penn State fans' hopes and dreams. And the home run swing. Don't forget about that. Mm, always never forget. So that's kind of the, the preview for our overarching. This is going to be our... our uh, our big old elephant in the room as we recap the week. Um, but we'll start out with uh, Wisconsin going uh, or taking on the Gers at home. Rutgers seems to have stabilized into a team that loses unremarkable to everyone. But does it matter? Yeah. Uh, so I, I caught a little bit of this game and um, kind of in the beginning where um, we were all like, could Rutgers, you know, are they going to do something here? But um, man, so Sikowski is just like, Another one of these ING products that's just highly touted and, but like amongst kind of the football wonks, just is kind of, you know, a fool's gold quarterback. And, you know, that kind of definitely came to a head against uh, Maryland where what do you have? Three completions and four he interceptions. Went two for 16, four for 16. That was just, yeah. Um, I he, mean, he did, he, yeah. He, he, I mean, he looked better against Wisconsin. I believe what was it? One scout's quote about him was this is the kind of quarterback that gets coaches fired <laughs> right yeah I think it was um... everybody saw the raw talent everybody saw the ability to throw the ball and the the confidence to huck it down the field but uh you know they also saw the volatility I mean that Maryland game is almost a work of art <laughs> work he... of art Sitkowski <laughs> so anyway this was uh, interestingly his best performance I would say 20 for 39 for 261 one touchdown no interceptions yeah. Oh, what happened to Wisconsin's defense? I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, they're. I, I guess the thing I would just kind of default attribute it to is um, the offense struggling a little bit early on. Bad enough with Hornybrook in there at times. If they can't kind of get the running game going, um, they they struggle. And yeah, I think it was um, just I don't know, just in case the yips and off game. Um, I don't really expect Sikowski to put up those numbers again, just because he hasn't shown anything this season 
making me think that he's going to get better or that anyone in Rutgers is going to improve at all. Um, off game by Wisconsin, I guess. Was there ever a chance that Rutgers was going to win this one? I mean, it seemed like one of those things where Wisconsin got a small margin that seemed insurmountable. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think there ever was a realistic chance. Um, Wisconsin's one of those teams where even when they play like a close game on the scoreboard, it's not as close as as it appears. Um, Jonathan Taylor went off. Yeah, they're just, there's too much, even with with injuries and backups, there's, they're just, just way too more, like way more talented than Rutgers. Um, And there's, I mean, Rutgers just, we've seen this season as, you know, like historically just dysfunctional to kind of, you know, to a hilarious degree. Well, I mean, mean, like I said, though, they're not losing games in particularly hilarious ways. They're losing games unremarkably and convincingly, but, you know, since the implosion against Kansas, the, (laughs) the, you know, Buffalo just holding them under the water, you know, for for about three minutes there and then. And then uh, Illinois breaking off a bunch of big runs. Uh, <laughs> and just in multiple multiple uh, times not understanding how kickoffs work. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they, do, they, do, they do something like that. In, uh, they, they do seem to have just a highlight reel play every game. So, I don't know. It's hard to imagine a scenario where Rutgers doesn't pull the plug on Chris Ash. Um, yeah. And, and, I, mean, I don't know. Because what, what, what are you seeing next year? Uh, I mean, I think the only reason they wouldn't is if they're afraid of – losing some recruits but even then like what they're recruits not... exactly and <laughs> they've got all their eggs in this um in this art sikowski basket that seems to have a hole in the bottom of it anyway and um i i don't see how ash survives i know ohio state would probably love to have him back and um to be honest i think Rutgers would uh love to get their old coach back um <laughs> but, you know yeah yeah well anyway um Speaking of coaches going places, Michigan State 24, Maryland 3. And uh, I guess I guess Maryland is kind of what we thought they were. Yeah, they, they, can't, they can't pass the ball. And when you're one-dimensional um, and all you can do is run, well, Michigan State's maybe got the best – I don't know about this dog. And maybe got the best run defense uh, in the entire conference, I believe. And, um, I mean, you just – you talk about, you know, running into a brick wall all game. This is yeah, the second was, game that Maryland's been beaten in where they have held the opposing quarterback to under 100 yards. And yeah, it's really – I mean, Under 100 yards. Yeah, Lewerke's definitely – that's Duggan. Lewerke's definitely uh, taken a step back uh, this year, and he's – yeah, you, you – hang on one sec. <laughs> oh, he's just excited because I'm indirectly bringing up Iowa by comparing the Maryland game back to that last one. All right, I'm back. Got Randy in the room with me now. He's happy. He's looking for something to chew on. But yeah, so yeah, just a, it's a terrible matchup for for Maryland, and and it really showed. Um, if if all you can do is run the ball, uh, there aren't many teams um, that are probably worse to play against than Michigan State. Even as much as they struggled this year, it's one of the things they've done really well. Yeah, uh, Connor Haywood, Hayward, Haywood, Connor Hayward provided some rushing yards for Michigan State uh, in relief of uh, L.J. Scott, who I guess they returned, but they weren't all too happy with. Uh, this was an ugly <laughs> game with some really stupid things. I wasn't really wa- – were you watching that sequence where, like, Maryland basically uh, – Right at the end of the game? Yeah. Yeah, it was um, – what are they, like – they're, like – 
I'm trying to remember. They didn't they like fumble the ball twice and then they got the ball back and then immediately gave up like a eighty yard touchdown or something. Yeah, something along those lines where like they, they were right on the doorstep and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they <laughs> were getting scored on. Yeah, and and man, D'Antonio's teams always seem to get those just I don't wanna call that like a weird break because a lot of that does come down to like discipline. No, it, there is no team in the conference against whom uh, teams tend to like just uh, I don't know lose their mind and forget what the hell they're doing mm-hmm. in uh, late season Northwestern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get to them, of course. So that didn't quite happen, but Ohio State hosted Nebraska and damn near gave up a contest. Yeah. Um, kudos to Nebraska. They. I, I predicted this one to be be a blowout, um, but they um, they certainly seem to be improving as much as uh, a lot of Iowa fans uh, want to make fun of them for this year. As well, they should, but they, re- you know, uh, Scott Frost has definitely taken that team in the right direction. It hasn't been kind of the splash everyone thought he would make um, right away, but yeah, he uh, they they made a game out of it, um, and. It, is you know conversely it's kind of coinciding with this slide that you're seeing from urban meyer and ohio state as you know as weird as it is to say that that a team with their record is sliding but i feel like we've said that every year for the last three years now and you know well, but again the recruiting rankings wise the talent keeps getting better and better uh, mm-hmm. the results do not keep getting better and better so you also had yet another instance where meyer forgot what his team was particularly good at I mean, they, they do well throwing the ball, but they, they, like they've got elite running back talent, and Nebraska is not good against the run. It took them a long time to figure out, oh, we can just run the ball. Yeah, there's almost like a stubbornness to it that he wants to – like he gets set in his mind what he wants to do. He's the anti-D'Antonio. He really is, and he if he can't, um, if he can't have his way, he just, he just keeps um, doubling down and um, eventually – I mean – just from town alone, eventually it just, you know, it ends up working for him at some point. Or um, it ends up where you've lost the game and Ezekiel Elliott hasn't touched the ball. Yeah, no, uh, exactly. In those, those rare cases, um, it happens like that. And they're just, this the slide's kind of been remarkable. Um, I remember just winning, what, in 2014, um, their national championship run. And uh, we were all kind of worried, like, that they were going to be the new Bama. And they had these three quarterbacks coming back. and. Or, you know, um, and it, you know, they never, they've definitely never gotten back up to that level. And I think a lot of that is um, kind of urban gets set in his ways, but he, you know, he's had some longtime coaches go away. <laughs> Luke, uh, T- Tom Herman gone to, uh, to Texas, Luke Fickles in Cincinnati now. Um, and yeah, we've kind of talked about this on, on the website a few times, but he's kind of, he's definitely loyal to a fault. Um, with his staff it's it's starting to show and you know if you're surrounded by I think he's also surrounded by yes men who don't really want to um, contradict him or maybe just are unable to and yeah it's um, he's the king of just smashing into the brick wall and until something either breaks or doesn't it's a weird fault because you know for all the all the wins he has in recruiting it seems like a strange fault to have during the games but at the same time you know before we lament Ohio State too much as I pointed out here right they're they're probably pretty unhappy about the way their team their team looks and they just want the season to be over but you know as I pointed out on the on the website you know we also all hope they never have to go through a season like this again right <laughs> where they're number 10 and 8 and 1 
and have uh, have an unbelievable amount of young talent. Yeah, you know yeah. what? Yeah, I, I <laughs> Ohio State fans don't like to be here. We don't want you to be here either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, I've never seen a a fan base so spoiled. I mean, <laughs> they're 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 worst. Like, there's this. It's a different attitude. Like when Wisconsin uh loses two games and they're like yeah that like we call that a bad season because we're wisconsin you know we have high standards and ohio state does it and they're just like this team is garbage fire everyone what's urban doing he's gone next year like as arrogant as the wisconsin fans can be during last year it was kind of like you know they almost felt like it was a pitcher pitching a perfect game they couldn't really talk about it right they they just kind of were like okay guys let's slow our roll we know we're playing with house money here right not yeah, just, they're, oh man, they're, I can't believe that they only won this game by this many points. It was like, oh man, we're still doing it. <laughs> well, you had a similar situation with 2015 Iowa, right? It's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you almost don't want to acknowledge that this is happening or you might jinx it, you know, which is not really the attitude of a program that uh, gets pissed yeah. off about not winning the title. And, and, and I think a lot of that is like Wisconsin fans are used to their good teams having guys like Alex Hornibrook or Joel Stavi, um, yeah, who you really hope you're not going to have to send out there to win the game for you. And Ohio State is nothing but five-star court. Like, how many times have they gotten, like, one of the top five quarterback prospects? Um, and it's – I don't know. Yeah, there's – they're um, definitely uh, – Kind of a bit of a crossroads. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they go against – you know, long-time thorn in the side, uh, dark man, Tony O. I really thought that they would have their, ooh, we're just going to remind everybody that we're here to kill and brutalize the world uh, game against Nebraska, but that turned out not to be the case. Um, speaking of uh, brutalizing and killing the whole world, um, Minnesota's entire world crashed ooh. down in Champaign as uh, they row, row, rowed their boat, their boat gently up their own asses. Um <laughs> Wow, I was completely blindsided by this one. I never expected it to turn out quite was, this way. It was such a great game. <laughs> the defense didn't really change really much scheme-wise, but somehow everybody just seemed to know what they were doing a lot more. I mean, it kind of helped that it was against one of the weakest offensive lines we've seen this year, uh, especially with a backup left tackle in there. But also the play calling was very uncreative for the Gophers, and, you know, they were yeah, really, they... really far away. That's been one of the things that – Purdue's offense confused just a lot. Maryland's offense bewildered us with all this misdirection. And <laughs> PJ Fleck was content to to have Tanner Morgan running these weird inside zone read looks, and then you know either hand it off up the gut or look to pass. Yeah, it, it was it was it was a fun game to watch. I did not expect. I mean, last week uh, you definitely predicted the opposite score, and um, I think that was pretty spot on. You expect Illinois to to move the ball and leave some points on the table because they shoot themselves in the foot. They have a turnover, dumb penalties. And then in the meantime, give up like 700 yards of offense to the other team. And yeah, because those three games before this one had been just abysmal. One of the, probably among the worst three game stretches in the school's history for defense, because, you know, in the past when our teams have been spectacularly bad, they've had reasonably good defenses and, terrible offenses it was Lou Tepper's calling card uh Gary Moeller's whole philosophy was built on this but anyway I digress the offense on the other hand we need to pay Rod Smith as much money (laughs) as we can possibly I mean we should probably just go ahead and match Lovey's salary for him because he's uh he's made just an unfathomable difference to this offense yeah he I mean I said to you on Saturday um Bush is out there looking like Vince Young 
<laughs> vintage Vince Young <laughs> at Texas. Um, and I guess you'd know better than I would, but like, was, was Hardy Nickerson just that bad of a coordinator? <laughs> I know, I know Lovey is like a defensive guy and he, you know, he's calling the defense, but um, a lot of the Minnesota team in garbage time. I mean, now you've got Minnesota and Illinois are two very, are the two youngest teams in the big 10. Yeah. And with young teams, you get a lot more volatility, especially when you talk about, you know, the circumstances surrounding the program. Now it could be that, you know, Lovey Smith, uh, leaving the program um, was a rallying point where it was like, you know, people who liked him because he, you know, he had some recruiting connections to California. So people who liked him came to play for him. People who liked Lovey Smith didn't want to see Lovey Smith go realize, okay, well, now's the time to rally. It's just, man, I didn't, you know, you see games like that sometimes, like uh, when uh, Minnesota fired Tim Brewster or, uh, oh man, um, didn't Purdue beat, Iowa after they fired uh am I thinking of am I thinking of Minnesota um Tim Brewster Minnesota uh after they fired Tim Brewster and they beat a ranked Iowa I think on the road yeah that sounds about right and I'm trying to think of the timeline here um but yeah I see what you're saying or even like going back to Maryland this year just beating Texas you know their coach gets suspended and um Canada's the interim and they (laughs) they come out and beat Texas who it turns out you know, yeah, if they back, played again, but... if they played again tomorrow, they would definitely not win. No, no, not a chance. Um, and yeah, and, and I think I think you're right about the volatility. And um, I think if we if we can go back to uh, PJ Fleck for a minute, man, I am really enjoying his downfall. <laughs> Um, I was so disappointed that they didn't show us PJ Fleck <laughs> sprinting down the sideline between the third and the fourth. <laughs> it just would have been like I almost would have been sad. He's like he's a popular guy, um, you know, even still among Minnesota fans. This, it, but he really is like Lyle Langley from from The Simpsons. Um, with, you know, sell, comes in and sells everyone on the monorail, and he's this charismatic guy. And it just turns out he's he's a complete fraud. And I feel, and maybe it's too soon to say that about Fleck, but that's certainly what it's starting to feel like. Um, they haven't, you know, he's got this big rah-rah personality and row the boat. Um, and they, I mean, closing in in the end of his second year, and they still don't really have anything to show for it. When you look at the conference wins he has uh, in his tenure, they're against a generationally bad Illinois team, a Nebraska team that would prove, you know, to be falling apart and fire their head coach. And then this year against an Indiana team that uh, is showing signs of just kind of a slow uh, strangulation. (laughs) As is tradition. Indeed. Um, (laughs) But then, yeah, I mean, it's got to be discouraging to see them uh, play their first game in November like this, Uh, especially, Especially when you saw P.J. Flex, Western Michigan, come into Champaign and kick uh, Illinois' ass all up and down the field two years ago. Well, hey, apparently you can assemble winning teams more easily at Western Michigan than you can at Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, he um, uh, he's starting to look like the um, – I don't know if many people outside of Iowa City remember Todd Licklider, uh, former <laughs> Iowa basketball coach, but he um, was the coach of Butler. And they had – you know, Butler is a very good – basketball program and he came to Iowa City and oh man it, it, easily the worst years certainly within my lifetime of Iowa basketball um but worst worst years in decades were the look lighter years and meanwhile Butler moved on without him and you know played in a couple of national championship games and it, 
turns out um, Lick Lighter may not have been the um, secret to their success. And I think it's starting to look that way with P.J. Fleck. Well, I mean, and P.J. Fleck, what he did at Western Minnesota, or Western Minnesota, Western Michigan, he might be coaching at Western Minnesota if that's a thing by the time this is all set yeah. up. But anyway, what he did at Western Michigan was just assemble far and away the most talented teams of the MAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to be able to do that in the Big Ten unless you come in having been recruiting at the top level. Yeah, and there's just – he's going to have to start stealing recruits from from states that are locked down. I mean, you're not going to build a team um, – you're not going to build a Big Ten championship caliber team strictly with guys from Minnesota, just like um, you're not going to do it strictly with guys from Wisconsin. You know, you're going to have to um, steal some of those recruits from Michigan, Penn State. Um, and I guess in theory he's, you know, the kind of guy who can be capable of that. But, um, you know, everybody likes a big personality. But, um, you know, as it stands right now, you're, you know, you're going to have to do, you know, X's and O's in the meantime. You can't, you're not going to be able to out-muscle everybody. What do you think are the odds Minnesota picks up a win in their remaining schedule? They've got Purdue, Northwestern, and, Minnesota, or, and Wisconsin still left. Ooh. Um, most likely, definitely Northwestern. Um, I think we'll, we'll get to this later, but uh, man, if there's anybody capable of just handing any team a win, it's, it's definitely uh, Pat Fitzgerald. Um, I don't see them winning Paul Bunyan's ax and um, Purdue. I, I, I think Purdue's just gonna do horrible things to them. Um, Rondell Moore is just, it's, I mean, assuming he doesn't get hurt, it's, he's gonna just, it's gonna be scary. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah, when you look at how, how well Purdue did against, uh, you know, in, in the same exact situation as Minnesota in Champaign. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Iowa went to the harbor, and uh, it was a day that will live in infamy. Ooh, 38-36 boilers. The Purdue suddenly is able to stop the run. Where did this come from? Uh, man, I don't know. They um, And Iowa's got three good running backs. Um, I, they haven't been super consistent running the ball this year. Um, they've definitely been, especially compared to um, years in the past, they've relied on passing the ball more um, than they have in really, I want to say since 2005, um, 2004, like when, when they didn't have any running backs. And But, yeah, they, they still they have got great running backs. They've got a great offensive line. They just weren't able to take control of the game like uh, the coaches Ferentz like to do uh, by controlling the ball. And um, – Stanley definitely played better than he did against Penn State, but it wasn't enough. Um, but really, really, the problem is they were just absolutely unprepared on defense. Um, yeah, what's up with that? I said that Iowa had probably the second best defense in the conference. That's what I thought. Is so, Purdue that good? So Purdue um, definitely picked up on Iowa's biggest glaring weakness on defense, which is two true freshman cornerbacks. Um, one that was sort of highly touted coming out of high school and one that nobody knew and kind of broke onto the scene in camp. And um, it's been working until recently, um, you know, but they, you know, looking back, there were definitely some warning signs. They were, they were getting torched by, by Minnesota. Um, but no, you know, they also intercepted three passes. <laughs> and so, you know, you don't really think of all the yards they gave up. Um, it's that they had three key interceptions that helped seal the game um, against Penn state. I think a lot of that is um, sometimes I feel like 
Chase McSorley it has confidence issues throwing the ball when he could just t- take an easy seven, eight, nine yards on the ground. And um, so they kind of got away with a little bit there. And, yeah, it all just came to a head. Um, Purdue was the first team willing to, you know, just punch it right down their throats. And they had uh, just also with a quarterback that was willing and able to stand in there and make throws deep. Yeah, yeah. Um, Blau had a hell of a game. And uh, Rondell Moore did his thing. And the rest is history. It was, um, it was, it was brutal to watch, man. It was just – it's one thing – like usually when, when teams beat Iowa, it's not in chunks. It's um, three yards here, first down here, lucky break on a punt. You know, um, well, what Wisconsin did basically. Break. Yeah, exactly. They, the whole Ben or what Northwestern does every time they win, they just dink and dunk and just somehow before you know it, it's like oh they're in field goal range, great. And um, Purdue wasn't having any of that. They would just just throw the ball deep, knowing that we had you know weren't respecting the deep ball and. It completely bit us in the ass. It was awful. Awful experience. <laughs> so, uh, we touched on Trace McSorley. Um, yeah. I, think, uh, I think King Franklin is wearing no clothes. <laughs> Either yeah. that or Michigan is terrifying. And unfortunately, it's time we faced a harsh truth that Michigan is the best team in the conference. No, I'm not ready for that at all. Um, but I think Well, who do you think <laughs> is? Yeah. It, 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 Trace, Trace McSorley... Just, I mean, he threw for under 100 yards. He's just, he's not good. It's kind of hilarious. I, hilarious looking back at, like, after they lost to Ohio State, all the Penn State fans were like, this was his Heisman moment. He's like, he's got to be the front runner now, like, saying after a loss. And then um, I think under 100 yards is who he is. And um, it's, he, he, would, he would much rather run the ball. And if he can't do that, um, there's not a lot of other tricks up his sleeve. And, um Michigan just I thought this would be the game that would kind of show us who Michigan really was and I think it did um, I hope it didn't yeah I do too but the the 42 to 7 isn't even do that game justice I mean it was just it was like watching Michigan um play some like random Mac team play it was so, like watching play Central Michigan just so outside of um outside of a pretty respectable performance in what was still a loss when did Penn State look really good this year <laughs> um I'm seriously asking because have. in yeah. retrospect okay you saw them accumulate a lot of stats early in the season but now when you look at their body of work like uh, you still like man should they even be ranked right now absolutely not I mean they almost they almost lost to um Appalachian State they I, Iowa could have beaten them um, if, well, and it's incredible that Iowa could have beaten them because Iowa's offense was ass all day okay. in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the worst game I've ever seen Stanley play, and um, and they were still right in there until you know until the end. Um, and and that's kind of Penn State's trademark under under Franklin is they'll they will let teams. I don't even want to say let them hang around because this year they've just been trailing, you know, until late in the games a lot. (laughs) And I've been trying to downplay the significance of this event when it happened as much as possible. They trailed Illinois in late in the third quarter. Yes. I forgot about that. Um, They have. And and with all due respect to Illinois, I think that was a very telling moment in, in uh, for Penn state. And on both sides, we both said, okay, but then they scored 42 straight. But now when you put that into context of, okay, well, Iowa is a somewhat impressive win, even though they did it in the least impressive way possible. Okay, 
Michigan, they got their asses handed to them, like, absolutely royally. They lost to Michigan State. Um, they lost to Ohio State. Uh, neither of those teams has proven to be as good as would have been expected before the season. Um, I mean, this eliminates Penn State from, you know, maybe possibly even from a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. They – and, you know, uh, they, I think kind of their – the overarching theme of this season for Penn State is going to be that they – we're not ever able to put four quarters together. I picked them to win this division, and I was extremely wrong. Yeah. They, I guess it, they missed Joe Moorhead a lot more than I thought because without him, they've got a guy that's a very good recruiter. <laughs> and Well, and, you know, I did buy into the Trace McSorley. Um, I have two coming into this year. I mean, and, and I'm sure he'll, you know, they may well win out, not lose another game the rest of the season. Um, have a good, well, get drafted anyway but yeah he i i don't they they seem to be the fans anyway seem to be putting the game on his shoulders now that saquon isn't there anymore and he's just not capable of of holding that load um but again it's not like it's you know it's not like it's like an indiana where a generational player goes away and you have just nothing anywhere near they replaced him with two five-star running backs (laughs) not that they're as good but it's like you know it's not the same as a once in a generation player leaving another school that yeah. couldn't afford him with guys that have NFL aspirations. Yeah. I mean, their cupboards definitely not bare. Um, Franklin has, you know, for whatever you think of him, he's been pulling in some good talent and I don't even want to say it's all his play calling or his game planning. I mean, that's certainly part of it, but it just seems like he's unable to prepare his team to go out there and play four quarters of football. Um they had absolutely nothing for Michigan, and I, I no kind of suspected that against a much more talented defensive front, they were really going to struggle. Uh, you saw that happen a bit against Ohio State uh, in the early part of the game. Um, but speaking of struggles with elite talent, uh, Northwestern went ahead and lost their third of three non-conference games to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So Northwestern, is there? I mean, is there any bigger? Um, an indictment of like the state of the Big Ten right now than the fact that Northwestern is the front runner to go to Indianapolis. <laughs> Follow up question: Is this like can it get any more Northwestern than this? You lost to a horrible Akron team and got stifled <laughs> by Duke, and now you're zero and three in non conference, and yet you lead the Big Ten West despite narrowly escaping from Rutgers and Nebraska. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like, that's like they, they, they blew a huge lead against Michigan. And then they had like a dramatic comeback to defeat Rutgers after an overtime comeback win against Nebraska. So PJ Fleck or not PJ Fleck, uh, Pat Fitzgerald is not just, quite PJ Fleck. No, <laughs> um, definitely some similarity, but I swear he is like a superhero whose only power is finding whatever decision will like great, like most likely lead to his demise and making that decision without hesitation. And um, to his credit, he's mostly gotten away with it because he has, I think he's been very good in player development. He's put together good teams, but you just, you just watch his game and you just scratch your head the whole time. And I'm, I'm actually surprised they only lost by 10 to Notre Dame. I really thought Notre Dame was, going to absolutely was going to hang 60 on um here's one of here's one of my favorite tweets i've ever seen this is from one of my favorite Illini follows on twitter uh at Illini toffee every northwestern season is the same 
two losses to junior colleges, a plucky <laughs> loss to some actually good team, and then five consecutive games of bullshit where the opposition turns into players in those old tabletop electronic football games halfway through the third quarter. It's <laughs> <laughs> incredibly accurate. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, Northwestern is in a bizarre position right now because, again, they, it, is it – or is it not theoretically possible for them to finish five and eight having played in the conference championship game? Yeah, they in the jungle I mean, you must wait. And I think they could beat. I, I think they could beat any team they'd face in the championship game, except for maybe Michigan too, or rather, um, whatever you know, Ohio State might beat themselves, um, as it were. But uh, man, that's a scary prospect. I mean, even them. Even them heading Six into that and game with seven a, Big Ten champion Northwestern, just awful, just <laughs> without a single out of conference win against not a hard schedule. Yeah. So the state of the race here, Penn State's now out. Now out. Penn State's now ousted out. So for Michigan State, they're going to need to win out and have Michigan lose their last three. Um, Ohio State needs to just win out at this point because they'll own the tie, the tiebreaker with Michigan. And if Michigan basically uh, don't lose to Rutgers or Indiana and then beat Ohio state, if yeah. Ohio state loses, it's not going to be necessary. Michigan state could help Michigan big time. Of course, if, if Michigan does lose to Rutgers, it'll be about the funniest thing that's ever happened, but I digress. Uh, it seems <laughs> pretty much Michigan's to lose. Yeah. I, I mean that Michigan uh, Ohio state game is, really the de facto uh, Big Ten championship game at this point. I mean, I don't I, – I'm just kind of shuddering a little bit thinking about Northwestern playing the, either of those teams. And, yeah, I think, I think you got to give, give the edge to Michigan. They could easily prove me wrong as they have in the past against Ohio State. I feel like I always pick them to win, and they always – well, I don't want to say disappoint me, but, you, you know – they they don't win <laughs> and um no john no no john no john no <laughs> Sorry. but yeah they uh i i don't see i don't see a way how it goes to anyone but the winner of that game though um so as for the west northwestern leads five to one has head-to-head versus wisconsin and purdue wisconsin and iowa or wisconsin and purdue are four and two iowa is three and three so it's still in theory possible for a really stupid four-way tie to happen that involves Illinois for some reason. <laughs> they would not have any of the tiebreakers needed, but, like, that's one of those things that you miss about the unified Big Ten, right, with the singular yeah. title races. You had some really stupid tying scenarios, and uh, it just – sometimes you ended up with a really silly ending. Yeah, this um, – I, I could definitely see – and uh, without looking at the tiebreakers, I could definitely see – a, a three-way tie between Northwestern and Wisconsin and then either Purdue or Iowa. Yeah, it's as far as who goes to as far as who goes to the championship game, I think Wisconsin's got the hardest road and they have to play Penn State. Yeah. And uh but <laughs> man, I, Wisconsin I, versus Penn State seemed like a really great game at the beginning of the year. <laughs> it yeah, it did. I did not This this is this is now a game between those teams. Yeah, these are now a couple of fan bases that are drinking at the bar to commiserate about how they were dreaming about national championships this year. <laughs> and uh, Iowa's fate is no longer in their own hands. But yeah, that you look at that game this weekend between Northwestern and Iowa. Um, that's that's huge for the state of the Big Ten West. I think if if Northwestern wins that, you could 
pretty much pencil them in because they can still they can still lose a game and end up winning you know winning the division title so well and also Iowa is a much tougher opponent than their last two which are Minnesota and Illinois yeah but man in just in recent years we have just not played Northwestern that well and PJ Fleck just has has a way of it's not just Iowa he plays a lot of teams very well and by well I mean plays just dog shit but he makes the other team play like dog shit too and then and so slightly more than half the time it works out for him and like I'm just kind of I feel like that's what it's going to be on Saturday it's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking and it's going to come down to um a dumb turnover or like a blocked field goal or just just something ridiculous like that is Clayton Um, Thorson going to go 18 for 52 for like 130 yards and four touchdowns it's absolutely possible (laughs) it does Um, seem like a thing that would have happened (laughs) <laughs> oh man so Thorson is just the biggest thorn in my side yeah the son of Thor is is uh, not quite as prolific as his namesake but is at least managing to you know Loki up everybody's bullshit plans your source for Big Ten talk it's off tackle empire